0: Welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. This is Pastor Dave Keene here with uh, Pastor John Whitaker. Hey, Tommy. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, you have a good weekend? Good weekend. Rested? Refreshed? Sort of. How do you feel <laughs> after a long weekend with uh, after a wedding? Do you feel like, man, weddings are so fun. I love
1: them. This is such an exciting time. Is it after? Yeah. After, I'm usually pretty tired. Okay. But I enjoy weddings. I really enjoy weddings. Weddings are a lot of fun. Do you do a lot of dancing at this wedding? I like to dance. Yeah, I'm a big dancer. You're a big dancer. I, I love
0: to dance. Yes, I was. Yeah. I was told that she, one one of the uh, senior saints at the wedding said I was really proud that you, as a Baptist preacher, were dancing. So um, <laughs> fun times. Fun times. So we're talking about the Book of Acts. We back are. back into it. Back at it. Um, Acts chapter 15. Um, it's a uh, it's wonderful to kind of work through this book as thinking about mission. Uh, and thinking about all the different opportunities that our church has had with, with mission, right? Yes. Um, and I think that one of the reasons why even yesterday felt so good to me was because our mission really is about the gospel, right? We want to make the gospel of justification by faith known throughout the world, Yes. right? Um, so excited to
1: talk about it today. Yes, yeah, so we are in Acts chapter 15. That's right. The Jerusalem Council, they're meeting, Yep. big debate, big conference being called. Big conference being called. All the uh, big dogs are meeting together to talk about something. Yep. What are they coming to talk about?
0: Yeah, so obviously in in 15, it says, uh, first verse, um, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Mm-hmm. So really they're coming together on the questions of who and how can one be saved? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is different degree ideas. Mm-hmm. One is saying you have to follow the law of Moses and the apostles were saying, well, no, you don't, you have to believe. Right. Right. So there's, there's big disagreement here. Mm-hmm. And I, I said this kind of several times, maybe once or twice in the sermon, but they really do. I think Luke includes this passage in particular Highlighting one because it's a key uh, historical event that happened in the early church. Most books are referenced uh, and dated based on the Council of Jerusalem, you know, so it's a a really important historical event, but also really kind of validating the Apostle Paul's ministry. The Apostle Paul taught justification by faith, so this was really big for him and for all the apostles to validate the gospel of Paul. Uh, So the gospel of Paul and the gospel of Peter are the same gospel. I've heard that numerous times in my ministry. There's a difference between the gospel of Paul and the gospel of Peter and the gospel of Jesus. It's all the same gospel. Right.
1: Yeah, I I think, uh, I mean, I kind of want to ask you this question. It it seems to be, well, you said this is necessary because it confirms it. I guess maybe there's a misconception on the communication that's happening between people because you're kind of seeing this jump between Peter's ministry and Paul's ministry—how close were Peter and Paul? Like, were they? Are they just in letters? Like, what's going on here?
0: Well, we know Peter and Paul had some relationship, right? Um, and I mean, obviously, it was, it was close enough that Paul was able to confront him at, in, in Galatians chapter two. Um, he visited him private, privately, right, mm-hmm. for several days um, in Jerusalem. So they definitely had a relationship. How close were they? We don't really know, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of hard to even, even differentiate in terms of how close one, one is. Right. Um, I'm not sure he spent as significant amount of time with Peter as he did
1: with with Barnabas or Silas right. uh, traveling. traveling. But yeah, uh, but yeah I, I think they definitely had a relationship. So, but like, but I mean, I guess there's a necessary for this council to come together in their minds. What were they hoping this council, I guess, because it says that also later the, the whole church yeah, agrees with them. Like, yeah, so in verse the... two, verse two it says after
0: Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not just Paul and Barnabas. It's right. Paul and Barnabas with a few other people. This is so big they're bringing even more people into it. We don't know who it could be one of the, some of the other elders of Antioch. We don't know, mm-hmm. but they went to talk to the apostles and the elders of the churches in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Right, to confirm this is so serious we have to figure this out. What is the gospel what is yeah. justification what is how someone made right with god right. this was huge and i don't think that we talk about that enough and we talk about this numerous times in in the mission world right the big thing that we're hearing time and time again is that in the mission world people don't know uh, how someone is converted right right is someone saved or not? right i mean i remember reading that new christendom by phil jenkins um and what did he what did he say he said that you know um, he didn't include the resurrection as a, a key tenet of his survey. Like, if you're not including the resurrection in the key tenet of your survey, well, then you're not a Christian, mm-hmm. right? So like, who cares if they didn't, they saw, they believe Jesus Christ died, but they didn't believe he rose from the dead, well, then it's, 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 a, it's a fool's errand. Right. You know, so I think that um, we're seeing this all the time, especially in, in places like India, polytheistic culture, you know, I mean, I've heard that several times, even this past week, from pastors, like, I can get pastors I can get people to preach and have them raise their hand to say, yes, I want to add Jesus to my shelf of different gods, but to exclusively follow Jesus Christ alone, Mm -hmm. which is what conversion is, right? A work the heart, you change your allegiance from from the the gods of this age to the the one and true God. Well, that's something different. So I think this is a huge question, right? Right. And it, obviously, if you've been part of a church for a long time, part of our church for a long time, you hear this message. You're like, "Okay, well, this is pretty basic, Pastor. Yeah. Why are you saying this?" It's because I don't want to assume that we get it right. Right. I want to assume
1: again and again. Remind you
0: of these things. This was so important for the early church that they
1: all had to come together and talk about it. Yeah, there's that quote: um, "If one generation assumes the gospel, the next generation forgets the gospel." And Luther even said, "Right, that was this is the doctrine that you know." it will have to be tended for every generation. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm talking to pastors in England. I'm talking to, to pastors in in um, Scotland, places where the, the gospel used to be vibrant and alive. Mm-hmm. And now, you're, it's, you're, you're almost unreached in terms of the number of evangelical right. Christians who are there. Well, why? Well, because they assume the gospel, mm-hmm. right? And you just can't do it. And I don't want to see our church ever assume the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. One, I want to make sure we know what the gospel is, which is why in our membership interviews we say, in two
1: minutes or less, what is the gospel? We want to make sure you understand right. the gospel. Uh, but we never want to assume it. You mentioned um, Catholicism, right, in, mm-hmm. in the, near the beginning, uh, the faith plus works. And then you mentioned, right, and even in our church, we have a lot of people from a Catholic background. How does that uh, influence, I guess, how we view other church members, what we where they come from, and then how does that I guess go into your preaching, knowing that people have a Catholic background.
0: Yeah, so I think several things. I think, one, um, we want to be sensitive where everyone's at in their own journey, mm-hmm. right? We're not rallying around people's past. We're rallying around the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. So what does the Bible teach, right? We think the Bible teaches justification by faith. The reason why I brought up Catholicism is, one, I think there's a lot of people coming from a Catholic background you know, they have family members in that background, mm-hmm. right? So, I kind of want to say this is what your family believes. Now, there's a difference, we got to be careful. There's church doctrine, this is what the church believes, stated, written in, in form, but not every Catholic person mm-hmm. believes that, right? So, you know, I believe that there are probably Catholics who are saved and born again, mm-hmm. right? But their church doctrine is anathema, right? Mm-hmm. Their church doctrine is leading people to, to hell, right? Because it's, it says that you trust in, in your own works. For salvation, which I think the Paul is very clear throughout throughout even this, this right. the council and Galatians that would speak against it. Um, but I think you know, I wanted to make sure that I kind of drew this out several times, but you know, when you come from that background, when you are trained as a child to believe that salvation comes from your own effort, right. it does
1: bleed into how you view God in your adult life. So your point, right? The doctor justification is threatened. How do you see it most threatened? At like in where we're at right now, Rock Hill, South Carolina, Baptist Church. Uh,
0: yeah. So I think it's probably. I don't think it's threatened in a um, outright sense. Okay. I think that if you talk to the average evangelical Christian in Rock Hill, they're going to say, "Yes, I believe that you're saved by grace through faith." Mm-hmm. Right. But I think functionally, how you live that out, I think there's a lot of people still depending on their labors to gain favor with God, okay. right? Now, I had a conversation with a brother after church, and this is something you want to be very careful with. Mm-hmm. Most times, depending on who I'm talking to, sometimes I have to tell someone, yeah, you say that you're a Christian, you say that you have faith, that you're saved by grace, but you're living a worldly life. Mm-hmm. You may not actually have Christ, yeah. right? He who walks says he has fellowship, walks in the light, but walks in darkness, mm-hmm. does not have fellowship yes. with God, right? Um, so I think there's there's that message. I don't think that's necessarily the, the besetting sin of our congregation. Okay. I think the besetting sin of our congregation is not hypocrisy, um, but I think um, trusting in your own efforts, and kind of because you're trusting in your own efforts, and you feel like you have to do all these things, there's this underlying guilt that I'm never going to be good enough for God and I'm not going to be loved by God because mm-hmm. I don't do these things for God. I mean, legalism Yeah, moralism. I think we're, we're, we're going to probably struggle more with legalism and moralism than we are going to struggle with licentiousness. Now, mm-hmm. granted, there are people in our church who I think are are, are, are flirting with the line of carnality, right? You know, yeah. And if you're listening, and just make sure that that's not you, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, anything that you do outside of faith is sin, mm-hmm. right? And I do think there's people living in a way that just flirts with the line. Yeah. And part of that is because if you come out of legalism, you want to demonstrate your freedom in Christ, right? right. So you want to live a certain way. I, I understand the temptation, but like we are, you know, like the, the drunken man that Luther talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we walk on that, on that, that, that roof, that roof, ridge line, right? We fall off on one side, we get up, we fall off on the other. Mm-hmm. Legalism or licentiousness or, you know. Uh, yeah. So I just, we, we, we just want to be careful, right? So, you know, I think that, so this message in particular was trying to focus on those who are trusting in their works, mm-hmm. And, be, and here's how sometimes it plays out. When you're trusting in your works, sometimes you be, tend to have a judgmental spirit when you're looking at other people, mm-hmm. right? Why aren't you not doing more? Why are mm-hmm. you not doing that? I know I struggle with that, right? Part of that is my, my work ethic, right? And I like to work hard. I want like to labor hard. Part of that's just kind who I am. Mm-hmm. So when I see others not working hard, I kind of look at them sometimes with a judgmental spirit. Right. That's a tendency I have. I know that's not right. But I'm I'm fighting against it, right? Therefore, even even me preaching it is me trying to let the church know: you are not defined by what you do; you're defined because Jesus Christ loves you. He has set his affection on you. That is beautiful, right? So I said, I said that I think I said this line: if you think that you're going to earn more favor from God because of your labors, you don't fully understand the glories Mm -hmm. of justification by faith, right? So I think that this is me trying to to drill a little bit deeper into the
1: glories of justification. Yeah, so I think another thing, and you kind of just mentioned the right question, I think we as pastors we hear this a good bit of, hey, I don't know if they're saved. I don't know if they're walking with the Lord, which is fine, because I think it's First John, that's the book of James, yeah. right? Testing to see if you're in the faith. The question is, in your heart, in your spirit, is a, I want to show them they're wrong. I want to prove to them that they're not walking. Or is it, does your heart break? Is it a, a pity? Like, I want you to actually know the Lord and not have to do these things for your salvation. And I think that's really the key. It's not just the, I don't think I'm walking in the Lord. It's, well, what's your affection towards that person who you think is not walking towards the Lord? Are you upset with them? Or are you holding a yeah. grudge against them? So here's the, here's the,
0: one of the, the, the greatest dangers of being a pastor mm-hmm. is that um, people... Um, are taking what you're teaching them and applying it to their own lives. And if people in my church, because I'm the main teacher, um, and they're hearing, saying those kind of things, these people aren't saved, I'm not sure if they're saved. Like, what is the heartbeat there?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Am I just teaching my, my church to be discerning, or am I teaching them to be critical and judgmental,
1: mm.
0: and to be proud and pharisaical? Um, I think there's, there should be probably some that would I'm probably leaning or emphasizing too much of trying to get people making sure they're saved, mm-hmm. which then makes the church then express that outwardly to the people in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And in one sense, that's very good, like you said. I mean, listen, the road is wide. that leads to destruction, and many people find it narrows the way to life. Mm-hmm. And listen, our end goal is I, I'm more concerned that you know Christ and that you're going to go to heaven when you die. Than I than I am you being offended because I challenge your salvation. Right. Um, and yet at the same time, we wanna be charitable and kind and gracious, right? We wanna assume that these are our brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think about Paul as he as he wrote to the Church of Corinth, who Oh my goodness, the Church of Corinth is having <laughs> some major problems. And what did he say? He said, brothers, mm-hmm. right? But you those who are having the fellowship with the Son. You know, children, you don't have many fathers in the
1: faith. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's just like this there's tenderness there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, how do we strike that balance of, of taking the gospel really, 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 really serious um, and at the same time being kind
1: and gracious to those who may not follow exactly the way we do? Yeah. So, I mean, your second point, the gospel justification is confirmed. Um, you know, is there a, a remedy here for us for this Luther's drunken man on the rooftop? Well, I mean, and... I think
0: that there's. there's... <coughs>
1: I mean, I'm not sure if there's a remedy outside
0: of just spending a lot of time in the Bible mm-hmm. and, and praying. Right. You know, the ordinary means of grace: to hear the Word, take the Lord, take the sacraments—Lord's mm-hmm. Supper, baptism—surrounding sur- your life around the church. But you see here what, what Peter is saying. Listen, I saw it. God gave faith to the Gentiles the same way He gave to us, and that's why you have that that same language in chapter 10. And then we went first back to the church, in, at, mm-hmm. the, the church in Jerusalem. He said the same thing, and now he's saying here, "Hey, I saw it." Right. I can't, I can't like, and like God is the main agent in verse eight, God who knows the heart bore witness to them. Mm-hmm. God knows their heart. God knows that they are true believers. God knows that they are trusting mm-hmm. by, uh, by grace through faith in the gospel and God gave them the Holy spirit. So like God did that. Mm-hmm. I saw it. And then Paul and Barnabas would have said, this is what God did. God did this through us. Like there, there, so there's, there's, God is the main agent of bringing salvation to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Again, this is key because this is the gospel that goes to all people, right? This mm-hmm. is why I think James, when he gets up and, and teaches, he quotes Amos. Mm-hmm. He said, God has promised, even in the Old Testament, he's going to rebuild the, the, the ruins of Israel and he's going to reach them all the way to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. right? And I think in, in Amos, it's, it's to the nations, right? Mm-hmm. Same idea, like to the people who are lost. And of course, that goes all the way to Revelation. What is God doing? He's bringing people from every tribe, tongue, language of people to gather around the throne and say, worthy is the land who is slain. Mm -hmm. To him be, you know, glory, honor, and praise. So I think that this, 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 the theme from Genesis to Revelation has not changed. Mm -hmm. God is always about rescuing a people for himself um, to, for his glory. And people from all nations, Mm -hmm. not just the people of Israel. Um, So how do we, um, you know, not fall off that, the, the, the trap the trap on both sides, I think one thing, we just have to keep on reading the Bible, mm-hmm. right because we have tendencies, we are prone to lean one way or the other, and
1: that we have to just be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think right here, the gospel of justification is protected. You see the people sent out in letters, right? is sending letters. I think one of the characteristics here you're seeing is joy, though. The doctrine of justification is not a dusty you know, it's a book on your shelf. It seems that wherever Paul goes and the apostles, they're talking, they're sending letters, the whole church, joy is usually with it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the, I, I just love the fact that, I mean, if you really know Jesus, mm-hmm. you're, you, you really have joy because yeah. your greatest problem has been solved. Mm-hmm. And like all throughout the book of Acts, joy and the Holy Spirit are intimately connected. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you have salvation you see the power of the holy spirit you see the people rejoicing mm-hmm. you know so yeah so I, I would echo
1: that like we're not we're not um um yeah i just i, just, I would just echo that yeah, I, I think maybe it's just a characteristic right where am i falling on one side or the other it's usually okay what well, is there joy in your life because if not if you fall on one side, you go into despair and you know pride and the other side it's there's no joy in sin yeah and so I think that's a maybe a good marker. I think you kinda of see it as Paul Barnabas around the town, they're telling people joy. Yeah. In the council, there's joy. There's in yeah. letters out, there's joy everywhere you go. And this
0: is what I would just confirm um, to the to you guys. Listen, this is one of the beauties of the church mm-hmm. is because you're gonna have tendencies lean one way or the other yes. but the church body is going to have lots of people who lean the other way mm-hmm. and I think being in good fellowship and community you're going to be protected mm. right from it you know this is why I think that what, what James wrote is hey um, avoid all the dietary weirdness right mm-hmm. that sometimes the Jews have right, right. No, no offense Jews listening right Um, but make sure that you can have table fellowship right oh and by the way um, make sure you just avoid that other stuff that sexual morality that would hurt fellowship in the life of the church yeah because you really need to be together Mm. right so that you can be protected because we are people of the gospel so the people of the gospel protect the gospel Um, and I I think about this in my own marriage how much better of a man that I am because Ellen who's got different leanings than me because I'm Close fellowship with her; right. she protects me from going, you know, too far, too extremes. Yes, it's a, it's a sweet blessing. Friendship in the life of the church, our elders. I'm so grateful for their all lean, lean, certain leanings. It helps mm-hmm. protect the church, keeps me center. <laughs> our relationship with you, like you know, your heart for the word, your heart for people, right? Um, and even you, I mean, over these last several months, you have helped me see again and again this idea that we are not saved by. Uh, by what we do. We're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how does that flesh itself out in our own life? Like we often are like Galatians three, right? We are, we, yeah. we are, we are saved by grace and then we try to labor in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of our conversations have helped kind of bear, bear witness to that. Uh, and your conversations with the church, this is why I think that we talk, I emphasize it as much as I did because we saw that mm-hmm. in the life of the church so amen. let me let me uh pray, pray. Yeah. Uh, father we thank you for our church uh, we love you we, we pray in your kindness god that you would help us uh, be a people who truly and fully understand uh, the justifications by faith and not only justification by faith but sanctification by faith we pray that we would continue to trust in the glories and the, the riches of the grace of the lord jesus christ we pray this in jesus name amen